If you'd like to spend some time with real people with a real heart for God, we welcome you to visit us at Harvest Church in Alexandria, Virginia. Our Sunday morning services are held at 1030, and our Family Night Fellowship takes place on Wednesday at 7 p.m. Come experience God's awesome, life-changing power as we worship in His presence, fellowship with one another, commit to discipleship, and share God's love through evangelism. For more information or directions, visit HarvestNova.com. That's HarvestNova.com. The title of my message today is Models of Motherhood. Models of Motherhood. It's actually been a few years since I preached a Mother's Day sermon, but I, uh, I felt to preach on Models of Motherhood today. Uh, some background of the passage we'll be looking at today, and we'll be looking from Exodus uh, chapters 1 and 2. Uh, see, I always tell you to bring your Bibles. You never know when that won't be up on the screen, so it's good to have your Bibles with you. Um, at the end of Genesis, a man named Jacob, whom God renamed Israel, left the promised land with his 11 sons to go to live in the land of Egypt, where his 12th son, Joseph, was the governor of the entire land. There was a worldwide famine in those days, and, and uh, through Joseph, God made sure that his chosen people wouldn't starve to death. So Jacob and his sons and their families packed up and moved to Egypt, 70 of them in all. But when we look, when we uh, start at Exodus chapter 1, we have a time jump of over 400 years, and now the children of Israel have grown into a large nation, as many as 600,000 people. And the new Pharaoh, the one who the Bible says knew not Joseph, was afraid that the Israelites would form an alliance with Egypt's enemies and form an army against the Egyptians. So Pharaoh ordered that all the Hebrew midwives, he ordered them to kill any male Hebrew the minute he was born. But the midwives defied Pharaoh, and I'm going to talk more about that in a few minutes. So as a result, Pharaoh moved to plan B, which was to authorize his own people to carry out uh, genocide. And uh, one scripture we want to share with you to begin is Exodus 1.22, which says, Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people, Every boy that is born you must throw into the Nile, but let every girl live. So with that context in mind, I'd like us to look at examples of three types of motherhood that we find in Exodus chapters 1 and 2. And I want to say that while only one type of these moms physically gives birth, all three types practice the awesome art of mothering. And we should honor and be thankful for all of them. So first uh, model of motherhood that I want to look at is motherhood by biology. Motherhood by biology, and I'm reading in Exodus chapter 2, the first nine verses. It says, Now a man of the house of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds during, along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her slave girl to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. 
And the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. Some observations here. We find uh, that uh, Moses' mother is not named in this passage, but we find from Exodus 6.20 and Numbers 26.59 that her name was Jochebed. Jochebed had a mother's instinct to protect her child. The scripture says she hid him for three months because of this edict that all male Hebrew babies were to be killed. And then she did what many would think was unthinkable. She lined a papyrus basket with pitch to keep the water out, and at three months old she placed him in that basket and set him in the Nile. Why did she do that? Because she loved him enough to let him go. She was more concerned with her child's safety and future than her own present happiness. We also see that she was strategic. She placed him in a basket to be found by Pharaoh's daughter. I don't believe that was happenstance. And had big sister Miriam nearby to offer Jochebed's services, the birth mother's services, to nurse the child until he was weaned. Now, in that culture, that could be as old as four or five years old. So she was very strategic. She had her daughter offer to Pharaoh's daughter that Jochebed, Moses' mother, would serve as a nurse. So she had that four to five years to uh, nurse him and to train him and to let him know who he was. We see that she was a woman of great courage and great faith. She trusted God to care for him. Now, this, of course, is a standalone story. Uh, we don't find a need, uh, moms, many of us, I would say any of us, to put our baby at three months old in a basket and set them loose. But I will say this, there will come a time when you have to turn that child loose. They'll be a bit older, of course, but you will have to do that. And why, how, how can you do that? Because you trust God, you trust what you've instilled in them, and you trust God to care for them. This was a godly mother. There's no stronger bond than the one that exists between a mother and the child to whom she's given birth. There are physical bonds. When the baby is in the mother's womb, the baby's entirely dependent on the mother's body. The oxygen, nutrients, genetic materials that the fetus requires are all transferred from the mother to the fetus during those months while the baby's in the womb. There are other things that are transferred to the baby as well. Though they don't share the same blood supply, what food the mother ingests finds its way into the body of the fetus. Now one, this is fascinating. One study showed that a mother's diet directly sensitizes the fetus to the smells and flavors and physically changes the brain of the baby, impacting what the baby will eat and drink in the future. In other words, if your child hates broccoli, it could be based on the fact that you ate it while pregnant and the baby didn't like it. <laughs> Think about that, moms, when you try to force broccoli down your child's throat. Likewise, if you ate chocolate while pregnant and it made you feel good, and for most people it does, chances are your baby will have the same sensitivity. 
We had, I know what my wife's thinking. We just got a video from, of my grandson eating his first bit of chocolate pudding. And he had a big smile on his face. His teeth were filled with chocolate. I think he liked it. Who doesn't like chocolate, right? But there, there, are, there are those kind of physical bonds. There are also non-physical bonds shared between the mother and the fetus. For example, the fetus knows when the mother is stressed. The fetus knows when the mother is happy. Whatever the mother experiences while the fetus is in the womb, the fetus has an awareness of it in ways that we might never understand. While the baby is in the mother's womb, it hears its mother's heartbeat. And there's a difference between the heartbeat of men and women. And uh, that's why often a newborn baby will be calm when laying on its mother's chest because there are uh, physical bonds and non-physical bonds as well. It's a powerful bond. Heard a story about a Fremont, California woman who suffered severe injuries to her arms after a pit bull terrier attacked her in her own garage, uh, forcing her to stash her baby in a plastic trash can for protection. 32-year-old Angela Silva received 50 staples and countless stitches as a result of the, of the attack. The neighbor's dog wandered into the open garage and lunged at her. She put the child in the plastic trash can. The dog continued to go toward the trash can to try to get at the baby, and the mother defended her with her bare, defended the baby with her bare arms. Finally, uh, neighbors came in and scared the dog away, chased the dog away, and uh, mom went to the hospital. The flesh was hanging off her arms. What would cause a person to do that? The bond that a mom has for her child. So I say to all the mothers by biology, all the biological moms who've given birth, we honor you today. We honor you today. There is, there's nothing like uh, the love of a mom for her child. And I said, you have to love them enough to let them go at some point. Doesn't mean you stop loving them, amen? Doesn't mean that connection isn't there. You're a mom for life. And we honor you today. And uh, we, we, we can't honor you enough. So we celebrate motherhood by biology. But there's another type of motherhood I want to talk about today. It's motherhood by choice. Motherhood by choice. We read a little bit about Pharaoh's daughter finding baby Moses. I want to read a verse we didn't read, verse 10. It says, when the child grew older, she, meaning Moses' mother Jochebed, took him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. Now, Scripture doesn't give a name to Moses' adoptive mom, only that she was Pharaoh's daughter. Pharaoh, of course, being the king of Egypt. She may have been the Egyptian princess, Hat Shepsut, I might not be saying that right, whom history describes as a woman with a strong personality and a bit of a rebellious spirit. This is most probably history's first recorded international adoption. And it says in the passage, we read it earlier, she knew this was a Hebrew baby. She knew the order her father had given to kill all Hebrew babies. And yet, it says in the text, she felt sorry for this baby. And she uh, took this baby to be her son. Now, 
Moses' adopted mother was undoubtedly a pagan woman, so I'm not presenting her as an example of a godly mom. But the point I want to make is she cared enough about this child she found to give him a home and to raise him. She was a mother by choice, and we give her credit for that. Becoming an adoptive parent or a foster parent is parenthood by choice, and for moms, it is a special kind of motherhood. I want to share some statistics with you this morning. Every two minutes, a child enters the foster care system in the United States. Think about that. Every two minutes. At the end of fiscal year 2021, 113,589 children and youth were waiting to be adopted in the United States. Also at the end of fiscal year 2021, 19,130 youth aged out of foster care without a permanent family. A 2022 poll by the Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption found that while 85% of adults agree that aging out of the foster care system is a large societal issue, nearly half, 47%, say there are more pressing societal matters. And in that same poll, 3 in 10 surveyed felt, feel that children not adopted by the time they are adults will be fine on their own. There is a crisis of children who need parents, who need moms in our country. Throughout Scripture, the concept of adoption is used as an illustration of God welcoming sinners into his household of faith. Adoption is not initiated through action by the child, but by the adoptive parents. It is parenthood, or for our purposes today, motherhood by choice. Aren't you thankful that God chose to adopt you and me into his family? That wasn't at our choice. We've said this before. Uh, Christianity is the only religion in, uh, in, in the world in which God came and pursued man. Every other religion, man has to somehow pursue God and hope to find God. But our God came to find us. Hallelujah. And we were outside of his household of faith. We were sinners. We were lost. And yet he chose to adopt us and bring us into his family. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? And it's that same principle uh, that uh, takes place when motherhood is entered into by choice. Motherhood by choice through adoption or foster care is a special kind of motherhood. Thank God for these moms who choose to pour out their love on children who need it most. There may be some potential moms here today or watching online who for some reason do not have kids of your own. Maybe foster care or even adoption is something to prayerfully consider. It's a wonderful way to impact a life. And uh, I, I've had the privilege of being part of the process, uh, the approval process, as a reference uh, for a couple that adopted a child. And it was my privilege to see that family adopt that child and to dedicate that child uh, as the parents, uh, to, to officiate as the parents dedicated that child to the Lord. What a blessing. A child without a home was given a home. So thank God for motherhood by choice. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And again, 
maybe, maybe some of you have, are watching online or you know someone who's not been able to conceive. What a, what a great option to consider, foster care uh, or even adoption. And so thank God for motherhood by choice. There's a third kind of motherhood I want us to celebrate today, and it's motherhood by advocacy. Motherhood by advocacy. Going back into Exodus 1, at verse 15, it says, The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, whose names were Sherpa and Puah, when you help the Hebrew women in childbirth and observe them on the delivery stool, if it is a boy, kill him, but if it is a girl, let her live. The midwives, however, feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. They let the boys live. Then the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and asked them, Why have you done this? Why have you let the boys live? The midwives answered Pharaoh, Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women. They are vigorous and give birth before the midwives arrive. So God was kind to the midwives, and the people increased and became even more numerous. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. Few things to mention here. These uh, two women, Sherpa and Pua, were two Hebrew nurses who helped the Israelite women give birth. They were most likely Hebrew women. However, in some manuscripts, the phrase the NIV translates as Hebrew midwives is translated as midwives to Hebrew women. So there's a chance that they were Egyptian, but they were most probably uh, Hebrew women. Sherpa is a Hebrew word meaning beautiful. Pua is a Canaanite word that means young girl. They may or may not, as I said, have been Hebrew women. But regardless, these two women trusted God. At great personal peril, they chose not to obey the king's command. They let all the Hebrew baby boys live, and God blessed them for it. These midwives feared God and saved Moses' life and the lives of many others as well. They advocated for both the unborn and the newborn, even at great personal cost and risk to themselves. Motherhood by advocacy. Thank God that Roe v. Wade was overturned last year by the Supreme Court. Amen. Amen. So many have fought and are still fighting for the lives of unborn children because, as you know, the battle is far from over in the various states. But I want to say this, motherhood by advocacy is far more than opposing abortion. It is also helping to care for children after they are born. Consider these remarks that were originally made by a Methodist pastor in Birmingham, Alabama, and subsequently reposted on social media by a member of the LGBTQ community along with about 13,000 other individuals. The, the quote says this, The unborn are a convenient group to advocate for. They never make demands of you. Unlike the incarcerated, addicted, or chronically poor, they haven't made any poor choices that you object to. Unlike orphans, they don't need money, education, or child care. Unlike immigrants, they don't bring any religious or cultural baggage you dislike. The unborn allow you to feel good about yourself without any obligation. All you have to do is talk about what you are against. 
Best of all, once they are born, you can forget about them because you're an advocate for the unborn. Advocating for the unborn doesn't challenge your wealth, power, privilege, or security. Prisoners, immigrants, the sick, the poor, widows, orphans, these are all groups that are specifically mentioned in the Bible, but being an advocate for the unborn, that's just so much easier. Sobering words. Question we have to ask is what will things look like in a post-Roe world? I believe in the next few years we will see an unprecedented hostility toward the Christian church, but we'll also see unprecedented opportunity to opt for something more than just easy advocacy. How will we respond when more babies are born in poverty? When more babies are born and put up for adoption? When more children are placed in the foster system? These two midwives didn't just choose easy activism. They stood up for infants that could not speak for themselves, even when doing so could cost them their lives. What about you this morning? What about us? What challenges you about the story of these two advocates for children, even then when they weren't their own children? I believe there's something to be taken away from this message today for all of us. Maybe you don't have children yet or your children have grown. You can still commit to praying for it, releasing your children. Maybe you aren't married or you're unable to have children. You can begin the process of adoption or fostering. Or you can walk alongside a new mom. How many know new, new moms can use someone to walk alongside them? You can commit financial resources to crisis pregnancy centers that minister uh, to those with crisis pregnancies. You can be a spiritual mom to those not raised in a Christian home. God will bring young children into our lives who don't have a, a spiritual home life, a godly home life. What a great opportunity, moms, uh, ladies, to be a, a, a spiritual mom, an advocate for those children. You can be an advocate not just for the unborn, but also the unexpected the unwanted, and the unloved. Today, thank God for those who practice motherhood by advocating for children. You're a blessing. You're a blessing. I know we have spiritual moms here who uh, have taken an active interest in children that need a spiritual mom. You're special in the kingdom of God. Your impact will reverberate throughout eternity. And isn't that why we're here? To impact lives for eternity? I believe it is. I believe it is. Jesus had a special place in his heart for children, didn't he? He said, allow the children to come to me. He said, I love children. Jesus said if someone offended a child, it was better for him to have a millstone tied around his neck and be thrown into the sea. In other words, it was better for him not to live than offend our children. And our hearts are broken when we hear about abused and neglected children. Jesus loved children. God's heart beats for children. So thank you, all types of moms. We've looked at three models of motherhood today. Motherhood by biology, motherhood by choice, and motherhood by advocacy. 
All three types of moms powerfully impact individual lives in our entire world for the good and are worthy of our honor, love, and respect. You know this. I don't have to tell you this. The God-ordained institution of motherhood is being attacked like never before in our culture. The assault, an unwithering, uh, unending assault on the traditional family, on, on traditional family values, on motherhood is being waged in our culture. The, the, listen, uh, moms, uh, those of you who've given birth, you're not birth parent, parents, you're not birth people, people who've given birth, you're mothers, okay? Can we say that? I should get a bigger amen for that. We as the church must boldly stand up and declare the value of motherhood, biblically ordained motherhood, as vital to society. To those practicing any of the three types of motherhood, by biology, by choice, or by advocacy, and to all ladies present and watching today, we honor you, we love you, and we thank God for you. We don't say it enough, but we do love you and thank God for you. You are an invaluable treasure and we are blessed to have you in our lives. To all of you, I say again, happy Mother's Day.